0: If you are listening to this now, you, yes you, scored the same amount of points as the Jets did on Sunday. Gang Green was embarrassed yet again, this time in shutout fashion in Miami, losing 24-0 and dropping to 0-6 on this miserable 2020 season. We'll break down this messy situation in Jets land as we chat with former Jets O-lineman and now radio host, Willie Colon. Turn up the volume. It's time to get it all going. Next! on Gangs All Here from the New York Post.
1: You play to win the game.
0: Welcome back, everybody, to Gangs All Here, our New York Jets podcast from the New York Post. Jake Brown, Brian Costello, New York Jets beat writer. Follow him on Twitter, At Brian Coz, follow me at Jake Brown Radio. Subscribe and catch up to all past episodes of Gangs All Here. If you've checked out on the season already, well, go back and listen to some old episodes. Uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, Amazon, wherever you get podcasts. If you're an Apple Podcast user, please go in there, give us that five-star rating, and write in a nice review. We appreciate your support. Because we're clearly doing a better job than the Jets have been doing. Speaking of special guests that we do have on, former Jets offensive lineman, fellow Hofstra alum and radio host Willie Colon will join Kaz and I in the second half of this podcast. But first, Kaz, another ugly one on Sunday. You watched it from home for the first time in 150 games. You watched another loss, and the Jets lose 24-0 in Miami. They fall to 0-6 on the season. Top to bottom, just misery. And it ends with, after the game, they end up trading team captain and defensive tackle Steve McClendon to the Bucs for a six-round pick. And at this point, Kaz, it's pathetic. It took until 10 minutes left in this football game for the Jets to convert on a third down. I mean, 10 minutes left, 50 minutes into the game, they finally converted a first down. They couldn't score a point against a low average Dolphins team. I know they're three and three, but this team coming into the season was considered maybe a five or six win team. And we said, you know, two a T might be in at some point. We didn't think two a T would be coming in, much to the laughing stock of the Jets in the final minutes where they're getting crushed and he comes in and he's throwing the ball because it's two a T. Why not? And, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick is laughing. He's smiling on the sidelines. You know, his, his future incumbent quarterback coming in there. He loves every second of it. The highlight for the Jets, it went from the butt fumble to eight years later, the butterception. Marcus May, you know, catches a ball off his rear end, and it's only fitting for a team that played like ass that they had an ass interception. And, listen, I know they're not changing anything if Adam Gase gone, but it's come to the point, Kaz, the miscommunication, the accountability is off the charts bad. Greg Williams basically called him out on Saturday, and Gase didn't like that. He said a lot of it is not all defensively, asking what he was referring to. He said, yeah, you'll have to figure that out. Gase wasn't happy. There's miscommunication there. You know, you're expected. Greg Williams is going to take over for him whenever he is fired. But I didn't get, Kaz, I don't get why we're not doing this show talking about it. I know I keep saying fire Gase, fire Gase. But 24 nothing to Miami. It's reached a new low cost. 31 of 40 Adam Gase losses have been by double digits. The team is not competing. They're not putting out... Any hard in these games. They're not scoring. They're not getting first downs. You know, P. Ryan's still not playing a lot. I know he had a drop, but still not playing enough as he should be. Still too much Frank Gore for a team that this bad. And I don't know. I, there were points in this game I checked out, and I'm doing this show. So I, I can only imagine 90% of Jets fans probably turn their TVs off at halftime. It is putrid to watch, and this is going to be a long season for us. It's going to be a long season for Jets fans. And it's a long season for this franchise cause because I don't think Trevor Lawrence is coming in here and turning this into a Super Bowl contender. I don't think he's the ultimate answer to turn this team around. There's too many issues to even get into on one show and this was just disgusting on Sunday.
1: Where do you want me to start, Jake? <laughs> <laughs> you hit me with a lot of stuff there what, what hit me where do you want me to start uh, start with p ryan, man
0: because i know he had that drop but he didn't play enough in my in my estimation
1: all right well, p ryan played 58 percent of the snaps and gore played 35 percent. so i think that would surprise fans the perception was after that game that gore played a lot more than p ryan but p ryan played a lot more than gore p ryan played 16 more snaps than gore here's the problem with p ryan right now rookie running backs struggle in pass protection They don't understand pass protection in the NFL. So it's much different than college. You have a quarterback in Joe Flacco who's not mobile. If you have Piron back there in pass protection, when they're just chucking it, you know, they got to a point in the game where they're just throwing the ball, right? They're down 21-0 out of the gate. So I don't think you could have Piron stand back there the entire game and let Flacco get killed. The 10 million yard sack, that one sack, that was because Piron got beat. Like, so I know you want him to carry the ball more. I think in a normal game, if they they can get a normal game that's like a one score game, I think they would do that I think they'd run the ball I just think when it gets to 21 nothing everything goes out the window and they're just chucking the ball down the field all right um, Adam
0: Gase Greg Williams What well, that dynamic where are you
1: on that yeah I, I mean I think they're both getting fired I don't think Greg Williams will be here once. I don't, I don't think I, they, they, they cannot give Greg Williams the head coaching job. Uh, they can't. They can't give him the interim job. He's done a terrible job this year to start with. And then what he did Friday was absolutely uh, like atrocious. You know, all they're preaching right now from the coaches to the media relations staff is when these players come in front of us, do not say anything that could be deemed as critical of your teammates. If you're on defense, don't say anything bad about the offense. If you're on offense, don't say anything about defense. Bart Scott used to always use the line, you know, uh, he would say, plow your own field. Don't worry about the other side of the ball. And Greg, <laughs> so they're preaching that to the players, and the players have done a very good job of that. They have, it's a different year. There's all Zoom calls, so maybe it'd be different if we were in the locker room, but they haven't thrown each other on the bus. And then Greg Williams comes out and throws the offense under the bus, and everyone zeroed in on Adam Gase. I don't think he was just talking about Adam Gase. I think he was talking about Sam Darnold, too. Sam Darnold threw two pick sixes. You know, that's. I think that's what's burning Greg Williams is that he has 16 points, including a safety from that Colts game that counts as his points per game. You know, of course he's right. You the, know, the, 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 it's complimentary football. The offense stinks. The defense doesn't get the ball in good positions. The defense thinks the offense doesn't get the good. It, it's all around. I mean, the, the offense is getting the ball inside the 10 way too much because of defense and special teams. The defense is getting put in bad positions because the offense can't move the ball. It's it's a whole it, it's everyone. You know, I covered some Jets teams uh, with Rex. After the good good years, the 2011-2012 Jets, those ones, they had a good defense, and the offense was, t- was terrible, and Mark Sanchez turned the ball over too much. That, I understood the defense resenting the offense. In this case, no one's doing a good job.
0: The Steve McClendon trade, where are you on that? What did you think? Did you think that made sense? You lose a team captain. I mean, this team has no voices. He was one of the voices, and now he's gone.
1: Yeah, and Steve's a great guy and uh, and a respected voice in that locker room. But how's it working out with his leadership right now? I mean, you know, they're 0-6. They're They've been terrible since he's been here. So, like, it's great that he's a leader and he's a good guy, but, you know, it wasn't, it, it's not doing much for them. I think Joe Douglas has to be in the mode now. If there are any pieces on this team outside of a few guys, I just wrote this uh, for the, for NYPost.com. There's a few guys I wouldn't trade Makai Becton, Denzel Mims, Sam Darnold, Quinnon Williams, Jamison Crowder. Would not trade those guys for reasons I wrote about. Everybody else, if I can get, you know, a seventh round pick in 2026, I'm taking it because the Jets needed whatever they could get. This clears the way also for Foley Faticasi to play more. McClendon's not part of the future. He's 34 years old, probably going to retire after this year. And I also think they did right by the guy, Jake. They sent him to Tampa Bay, who's a good team, with Tom Brady, with Todd Bowles. He knows the system. So I thought they did a good, they did a solid thing for a who's someone who's been a very good Jet since he's been here.
0: It ended up being a solid thing for Le'Veon Bell, too. I mean, what a situation he works himself into. He's going to the Kansas City Chiefs, he'll play with, how do you say his freaking name? How-
1: well, Clyde Edwards Hilaire.
0: Clyde Edwards. Oh, I like uh, the pronunciation. Like an an eclair. Hilaire. Hilaire, the Fresh Prince of Hilaire. So he's going to the Chiefs to a team that has a chance to win a Super Bowl. I mean, it couldn't work out any better for him, Kaz.
1: Yeah, I thought he made a great decision there, Jake, because the report was uh, from ESPN's from General, Jeremy Fowler, who is locked in with, you know, on Le'Veon News. He, he reported Miami, Buffalo, and Kansas City, right? So you had two contenders in Kansas City and Buffalo, and then Miami, where he has a home. I thought he chose the right team. You know, go to Kansas City. They're the best offense. Play for Andy Reid. Play with Patrick Mahomes if he can do something there. You know he's going to be in a complimentary role, uh, but if he can do something there, he's going to get maybe get a contract next year from someone. So I thought that was a, a wise decision by Le'Veon.
0: Add that to the soundboard, Alex. Cause complimenting Le'Veon Bell, I love it. This is the first time this has happened in a while. I mean, you haven't had reason to, uh, so I don't no, blame you. But that well. was
1: a good decision, and he'll play better there. Like, look, Jets fans are going to lose their minds. Like, how could he not play better with that offense? Got a you Hall know, of Fame then, quarterback. Like, yeah, I mean, he's got yeah, quarterbacks in the throwing the ball, there. and also Tyree. Hill, you know, stretches the field and Hardman stretches the field Sammy Watkins stretches the field. That's perfect for Le'Veon. When you can get the defensive backs going back, he can sit in the middle of the field and that that's where you throw it to him. Not the oh, why don't they line him up outside, line him the slot. My thing was they should be dumping the ball over the middle to him all the time. And and I bet Kansas City will do that a lot.
0: Yeah, and they're great with screen passes and you know they get yep. they move the ball. They have very creative playbooks. So I'm sure they'll yep. work at on Bell and well. And, you know, that gives them so much more versatility with Darrell Williams now as a third string guy. Now their one-two punch is so dynamic, and you know, you could easily see the Chiefs potentially repeating uh, this season because I mean it's they're not competing and that's what's frustrating I think to Jets fans is you know if, if they lose 24 17 20 even 24 10 score a point I mean they missed the only field goal I know it was a long one but I mean how about that Ficken finally misses one and Braden Mann even uh his, his leg is gonna get iced up today what do you have <laughs> 10 punts
1: yeah and he's the best tackler on the team still another good tackle by Braden Mann this this one floored me Jake this was pro football talks Michael David Smith wrote this i'll give him credit uh this morning their their point differential right now is minus 110 They've been outscored 185 to 75. The two teams next to them, or I don't know if it's behind them or above them. My second and third worst teams are the Jaguars and the Washington football team. Jaguars are at minus 56. Washington's at minus 54. So you have to add those two together to get to the Jets at minus 110. He even pushed it out over what what a 16 game season if the Jets keep going like this. They'd be outscored by 293 points. The NFL record is 287. And that's a team that Jake, I know you, you know, I know you graduated high school like two years ago, so you don't <laughs> remember this team. But the 1976 Buccaneers are pretty much the worst football team in history. Minus 287, the Jets would be worse than that. That was the first year of the Bucs, and they could do nothing right. And the Jets are worse than them. Like, they are are going, if this keeps going this way, they're in the conversation, and this isn't hyperbole, they're going to be in the conversation as the worst team of all time. (laughs) Like. That's staggering to me. Like I never saw this season coming. I knew they weren't going to be good. I never, I never thought it was going to be like this.
0: Yeah, I was only five and ninety-six, so I didn't see that miserable team. But I mean, everyone's talking about which team's worse. I mean, it's pretty obvious that right now this team is worse. Uh, barring some second half turnaround, and it's not going to get easier when the schedule coming up, guys, is Buffalo, Kansas City, and New England.
1: Yeah, and the '96 team, Jake, had some pieces. You know, they had Keyshawn, they had Wayne Corbett, they had Jumbo Elliott. Adrian Morrell ran for 1,200 yards that year. On defense, they had your buddy Marvin Jones, uh, the uh, Victor Green. They had some pieces on that team, and they, and when Parcells got here, they became a nine and seven team quickly, partly because of his. His being a great coach, but also because they had some players on this team. I'm looking at this team. I don't. I don't know. I mean, Makai Becton might be a good player. He's played two good games. Who else? Who else are we keeping? (laughs) Who else? Who else are you saying that you can see if in 2023, they're They have this thing on track. Who's part of it? You know, Quentin Williams, maybe. But there there's not not a lot of talent on this team. And that the 96 team had some good pieces. So I think that's the difference there.
0: Yeah, I'll say this team is bad. But, you know, I'm not going to keep saying that when it comes to scoring points. I mean, that's just ineptitude at that. I mean, they're bad, but they have enough talent to put up one touchdown in a game. And they're not even doing that. I mean, it-
1: they should look like an NFL football team. I mean, they they, they like they have these guys are NFL players. Uh, so, yeah, they, they should be they should be able to compete. And like you said before, you talked about the Dolphins. You know, this isn't the Chiefs who they play. <laughs> Miles Gaskin I mean,
0: running all over him, the little guy.
1: My Lord, like what's the spread going to be in the Chiefs game? And what's that score going to look like at the end of the day? Uh, you know that that one's gonna be holy cow you better hope andy Reid has some mercy on this team um but like you know the dolphins are not a very good team they're they're okay they're on the rise but they're not you know i don't think there anyone thinks they're a playoff team and they didn't play that well yesterday like if you look at it they didn't play all that well they had a couple good drives and then they they disappeared the defense you know they put some pressure on flacco but they weren't amazing and they just lost by 24 points like it, it's crazy and you know the the Cardinals. I thought last week they didn't play that well. They played their B game. The Cardinals, I think, you know, similar team to Miami. They're they're on the rise, and they won by 20 points. So like, and I looked at the stat sheet, Jake, and this was crazy to me. The Jets had 13 more plays than the Dolphins. They had five more rushing yards. They led in time of possession. They won the turnover battle, and they lost by 24 points. Didn't score a freaking <laughs> like, point. <laughs> like you can lose a, you can lose a game with those stats by a field goal or something. And it's like, okay, but like they won in a lot of different categories that are like, you know, like what did like coaches always say? Oh, we got to win the turnover batter. We got to control the ball. We got to run for run. Like they did all those things and they still didn't score any points. Like it's just staggering. Jake. It's and like, yes, it is. Adam Gase, Adam Gase, you know, if they if you talked about it, why are we still... I don't know what they're waiting for at this point. They could pull the plug at any any point right now. I'm not sure what Christopher Johnson's waiting for. It's not it's getting not any better. Change. It's not changing. It's not going get any better. But at some point, and you know I've argued against firing gaze, because I don't think it'll change anything but at some point I do understand for you fans like Christopher Johnson has to acknowledge your pain he has to let you guys know that the franchise cares and the franchise you know is trying to do something because you can't change the you can't change the players right now in the middle of October so as people say oh you don't make change for the sake of change I think in this case you probably do I think I think you have to send a message to your fan base that you're not going to tolerate what you're seeing on the field every Sunday and I don't know I mean Christopher will get there at some point I guess but I I don't know and I kind of pointed to the bye week which they've got Buffalo Kansas City and New England and then the bye week man after watching yesterday like I don't know can you get through three more games of this and those are Bills Chiefs and Patriots Patriots I don't know what they are right now but they'll probably kill the Jets Bills and the Chiefs are two of the better teams in the AFC uh, regardless of what Buffalo did last week so you know this is this is probably only going to get uglier here in the next few weeks
0: it is not a face mask Covering for COVID that me and Jets fans are wearing, it is a bag over our heads. We have the extra protection and we're protecting ourselves from embarrassment with the bags over our head in public, I go to the grocery store, I got a bag over my head, and then I pack my groceries in it uh, and have a backup in my pocket to put back over my head after I fill my bag with groceries. So the butterception was the highlight of the Jets season so far. We'll, we'll give them a round of applause. Good job, Marcus May, uh, making that acrobatic circus catch only fitting for a circus season. Uh, we'll get into more of the Jets in this circus season next as hoster alum and former Jets Offensive lineman who won a Super Bowl once with the Pittsburgh Steelers, Willie Colon joins us right here on Gangs All Here from the New York Post. Joining us now, he played for the Jets for three seasons as an offensive lineman from 2013 through 2015. After playing seven seasons and winning a Super Bowl with the Steelers, he's a New Yorker, a Bronx native, a Cardinal Hayes grad, and most importantly, he is a fellow Hostra alum. Roll Pride, class of two thousand six. I was the class of two thousand thirteen, so he's a little bit older. He's the co-host of Barstool Breakfast, which you can hear on Sirius XM Channel 85. You can catch him breaking down the jets at SNY. It's number sixty-six. Willie Cologne, Willie, welcome to Gangs All Here. Jake Brown, Brian Castell, how you doing, man? Hey, how's everything? Uh, another another wasted week in Jetsland. Um, what did you see Sunday from the Jets, and uh, how are you feeling about this team right now, Willie?
1: Well, I didn't see much
2: because I, I can't I can't bear it. <laughs> I, uh, you know, it's just it's just tough to watch, man. I think it's a lot. I think for every Jets fan, every Sunday is just a lot to digest. You, know, you look at other teams that are. Playing throughout the league for Christ's sake, the Broncos beat the Pats yesterday You know, you're watching other teams who seem to if they, if they didn't have it right, they're starting to figure it out. The Jets seem to not do anything; they haven't figured it out yet. And but on on the same time, I you know I am one I'm one of the guys who you know who I try to have empathy for the Jets because you know Adam Gates wasn't like he was given a situation that was thriving and doing well with just going to the playoffs, you know, he, he was forced, he was, he was hired to be the Donald whisperer and, and, and get this team on the right track. That hasn't happened. I, I've always been a fan of Greg Williams and, and how he's been able to call the defense, but that hasn't really lived up to anything. If if much of my point is, it hasn't lived up to much of anything. So the team just seems in shambles, man, and it's just tough to digest. It's hard football to watch right
1: now. Willie, I I don't think you've ever ever went through a season quite as bad as the, what the Jets are doing now. But 2014 with the Jets was a rough one. Uh, you guys had a rough start there. You know, just what's it like? You know, when you're just. <laughs> you know, you're coming to work every week and just not getting results. You know, what's that like inside the locker room right now?
2: Yeah, it's tough. You know, because I feel like we 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 just didn't have on the defensive side. I felt like we had enough talent to do things, and I'm t- and I'm talking about the 2014 year. But offensively, we just didn't have. Enough talent on the offensive side. You know, we couldn't, we really couldn't punch it in, and we really didn't have the numbers. Gino was still trying to figure it out. You know, I was, you know, kind of back into my career. I was trying to stay healthy and on and off the field, and I think it was just a lot of things that played into, you know, why we weren't successful that year. But this year, it's kind of resemblance in, in which that there's been so many injuries, there's been so many things that have, has happened. It's hard for this team to kind of really get going. I mean, it, this is the year that we should be talking about Sam Darnold, like the way we talk about Josh Allen, and we're not doing that right now. For whatever reason, and it's just, it's hard. So when you go into a locker room, that you know when you step into a locker room with a bunch of guys who you know are currently 0 and five, the only thing you can do from a ball player standpoint is just go to work, continue to go to work, try to be the best professional you can. With all whatever the cancers or the little things that are hurting the team as of right now, you you try you try to suppress them, and and it's tough because you know this is when. You know, when you have a season like this, you start hearing rhetoric of you like, well, you know, is has Adam Gates lost the locker room or you know, there is no losing the locker room when you when you haven't won yet. The locker room is pretty much it's is gone. And now it's just a matter of just being a professional and putting the best tape out there you can from your from, from that standpoint. And it's, it's 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 rough, man, because it's not easy. It's not easy on the ball players, not easy on the coaches, not easy on the organization. You know, it's, it's, it's a hard, it's a hard place to go to work and you don't have at least one win in a, in a win category.
0: Willie, does it make sense to keep case? I mean, a good, another good time would have been today. It was after the Denver game is the first time we, you know, really said it should be time now, but I mean, why is he here? You got shut out by a, a average to below average Dolphins team and nothing's getting better. Do you understand why he's still the coach?
2: Well, my question to you is, who do you want to be the coach? Who who should step in from?
0: Well, they don't have an option. That's probably why it's not. I mean, Greg Williams right. would be exactly. the guy.
2: Yeah, right. That's my point. They don't have anybody. So, like you, you, you rather go with the devil you know than the devil you don't know. And and I think right now, as far as Gates, he's that's just what it is. They don't. I don't think they have an option in order. I think they trust anybody to really try to continue on with the rest re, re, rest of the season. So. I think Gase is just going to finish the season out. The season is what it is at this point, bringing somebody in or possibly stepping somebody up, uh, up to take that role, fill that role. I don't know what that does. And I think we are just kind of, if you're a Jets fan, and uh, you just kind of kind of strap in and and you just get ready for the draft.
1: I'd also say, Jake, on the Gase point, and when we talked about it before we talked to Willie, I didn't raise this point. I do think ownership looks at it as what's best for Sam, Darnold, and you might say, well, Gase has done nothing with him, but Gase, but Gase has been the one for the last year and a half in his ear putting the offense in. No one's going to come in now and be able to switch that. It's going to be the same offense, and why not just have like Gase do it? So I think that's part of this decision too with Gase. You know, Willie, I'm curious because – I sorry to go back to 2014 again, but that, that was a similar – not as bad as – It was a rough a year. Similar.
2: It was a rough year, yeah.
1: Now, you guys had the stuff – it all kind of bubbled up in like you know November with the plane, you know, fire John Idzik the plane over practice, and yeah, that was um, he had a long, long crazy press conference. Rex came to practice with a toy plane the next day. Um, yeah, you know, yeah, there was a lot of speculation about Rex's job, about Idzik's job. Uh, Gino was in and out. They benched him for Vic, then they was then he was back. You know, the the, the line from players is always, "We don't listen to the outside noise. We don't hear that stuff." But That stuff had to permeate the locker room that year, and I'm wondering, you know, this year if it's going to start permeating the locker room because we had the Greg Williams dust up the other day. That's going to be the first of many before the end of the season, I'm sure. What you know, as as a player, does that stuff get into the locker room?
2: Well, I don't know if it's, you know, going back to 2014, it wasn't a matter of it getting to the players because it was flying right over our head. Um, (laughs) Right. You know what I mean? On top of that, I remember on Saturdays. Uh, when we were checking to the hotel the night before the game, there were billboards up talking about fire is it. So it was, it was it, you couldn't escape, you couldn't escape it. You know what I mean? And I think the same thing is going on with this team. They can't escape, and especially with the way social media and, and podcasts and how we're how so much is going, the engagement is so high and value. you can't escape what the Jets are going through. Like the players can't escape knowing that the world thinks they're absolute garbage. And that, you know, every, and you have other former players tweeting and saying things and kind of being hypercritical about this team. And rightfully so, you know, I feel is just, sometimes I feel responsible, right. You know, cause I, as much as my short, stint, my short stint with the Jets, you know, it wasn't like we, I had the best seasons there either. So um, it wasn't like I could have left this team or any other team that has been struggling thus far, uh, something to hang their hat on. So it's a situation where I, I think about this team and I, and I correlated to 2014. The only thing you can do when it seems like the, the world is against you or, or they can't stand you is you just got to dig deep inside yourself. You got to have the pride just to do your job to the best of your ability and just keep showing up to work every day. I know it's tough for those guys because if you look at Robbie Anderson and the year he's having, you look at Jamal Adams, you look at Brandon Shell, you look at, Christ's sake, Steve McClendon is now a buck and he's going to a team that looks like they're playoff bound. It's other guys looking at that locker room saying, man, maybe we should all get the hell out of here. Um... <laughs> You know what I mean, and it's and it you yeah. can't you know it's I feel I have like look I'm not one of those guys that tweets or says negative things about the Jets all the time. I'll give my opinion um, here and there, but being a part of that 2014 season, being a part of that team, um, who by all accounts we didn't have a lot of offensive talent, but we did have a lot of pride. Um, and it may have not shown on Sundays, but there were guys. There was veteran guys who cared about the sport, cared about each other, and and I thought we fought for the most part. Obviously, the outcome was great all the time, but the pride was there. So I think right now you you really you got to put your pride out there, and you got to fight for that. You got to fight for the name on your back, of your jersey, your family, and the, the flat the flat out opportunity that you get to play. Like you have an opportunity to play football in the mix of COVID and everything that's going on. So and I, and that's why I do have empathy for these guys so they're doing this, you know, with. Covid restrictions and then all all that with with all that on the table, they're still trying to deal with you know knowing that the world doesn't think highly of them. So it's a lot for those guys, man. And I and it, I just I wish hope I wish the Jets could just turn it around somehow somewhere, but it doesn't look like they're gonna be able to do it anytime soon.
0: When all else fails, sucker punch Geno Smith, your quarterback, and that'll that'll give your team a ten and six record. I mean, you were there for that. How crazy was that? I mean, right. he gets sucker punch, yeah. and then you know Ryan fits magic. You know, the, the five years ago leads you guys to a ten and six season.
2: Yes, I guess you could say when opportunity knocks, you know, um, <laughs> literally. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't know. I, I think. Listen, I think for this team, and I'm talking in reference to Sam Donald. You know, this is a time where he just continues. He has to be the pro. He has to figure out some way to get his, get these guys on his side. Um, and not to say that they're against him right now. And I don't want to leave that out there. But I think, you know, morale is low. You know, this is where you kind of lead. If there are any leaders in that locker room, this is where you start holding on to each other. Like, yeah, let's go out. Let's do this. Let's I know we can't do much because of COVID once again, uh, but you figure it out. Have a pizza party after practice. I don't know. Uh, but, you, know you know what I mean? Like, you got to do something because there's a lot of football left. Um, and week after week, you know, it's just going to continue. You know, critics are going to continue to pound down on his team and and, and, and bash him. But um, the guys in the locker room—that's all that matters. And hopefully, they believe that and they and they can they can figure it out. They can find themselves uh, at least one win. That's all you can start with. You only start with one win.
1: Willie, every coach I've covered here
2: talks about culture.
1: You know, Eric Mangini had like a list of five principles that he had in the wall rex was play like a jet todd tried hard to establish a culture here adam is trying to do the culture thing whoever comes in in january is going to talk about culture you came from a place with culture in pittsburgh and i feel like when you walk in the to the steelers you you know what it means to be a Steeler. and there are a few other teams like that the ravens are like that the patriots are like that you know how did what was it like for you when you came to the jets is there any kind of understanding of you know what it means to be a jet like it did to be a Steeler and how do they ever get there?
2: Well, you get there about winning. Winning is the ultimate deodorant because every—I think every organization goes through their own ups and downs. I also think with the Jets, and to your point, the Jets really don't have an identity because they, there's been so much turnover. You know what I mean? Like it's hard to adapt to one thing when you know two or three years later there's a new guy with a new plan, a new mindset that he wants you to install. And so it's hard to say what the Jets look like or what they should look like when there's been so much turnover. You know, Steelers have only had what three coaches in the history of the organization, and this and the standard has been the same all the way through that we're going to be the most physical team we're going we're going to lean on our defense we're going we're going to score uh we're going to score when we have the opportunity we're going to throw it, we're going to run it we're going to throw it but we're going to we're going to we our goal as a stealer we're going to break your will and that's always been Im- embedded in every stealer from the 70s to currently you know their goal is to break your will every Sunday and so what does that mean that means you practice hard that means you're reliable that means you're on time that means you have a mindset that is things are bigger than you that you have to be selfless and there's a there's a list of things that go into that in order to have that mindset so you can take on your opponent and and, and break his will and also on top of that be classy be respectful and and understand that when you step off the field it's just not about you being a stealer on the field it's about you continuing that representation off the field. And so that that's all entrenched into competing for Super Bowls every year and the character of guys that go into that locker room. And I think that's one of the biggest things that the Jets really have to invest in. And it's hard. And like I said, I've sat around enough scouts and I've been around the game long enough to, to have scouts tell you, you know, on paper, on video, you can, most scouts get it right. You know, you'd be like, Oh, this guy can do this. We we believe this guy has this potential. Most scouts can tend to get can, can get that right. But what they struggle with is really defining or pinpointing what a guy's true character is. And that's hard for any scout or coach. You know what I mean? A guy may look ama- may look amazing on tape. He may do all the right things in the weight room and, and uh, look the part on the practice field. But what is his character like? And that and that weighs a lot into developing a team. You got to get guys who believe and love football. And if you get guys who are just more worried about, it's different from my issues. Social media wasn't really a thing when I got into the league. But now, you know social media is a thing and and where's the guys attention and their heart and passion lies you know and so i i'm confident and i know i know in my heart of hearts when i was in Pittsburgh i played i played with guys who only cared and loved football they didn't really you know all the extra stuff was was second was was on the shelf uh until it was time to attend to it but when they when their feet were in cleats and they hit the field it was all about football and as a head coach and as an organization that's what you have to get guys in that building you know like I was fortunate to play with guys like David Harris, who was who was to me, if he was a Steeler, he'd probably be in the Hall of Fame because he he played like a Steeler, he walked like a Steeler, he was he was team first, but he battled his tail off. And, and I and I talked, and I me and Dave, and me and Dave kind of have the same passion and love for football. Like sometimes we're like, you know, I haven't talked to him in a while, but when we have talked long conversations about guys who we love to watch and why we love them and how much we loved football and how, how much we were the type of guys who would wake up, you know, at midnight and couldn't sleep because of the night before. So we would go in our living rooms and, and get a little quick workout. Like, go, guys who were just embedded in the game of football and, and loved it, those are the guys who I was fortunate to play with and love. in the Steelers, but even with the Jets, Dave Harris is one of those guys who, is, who, who embodied that, man. And the Jets need more guys like that.
0: Yeah, Willie, it's a great point. I, I spoke with Corey Webster on our Giants podcast last week, Blue Rush, and he had talked about you know how uh, in your age and when you guys played, social media was a thing, but it wasn't the thing. You knew when to use You're it right. and when not to use it. And today, especially when teams are losing and you're in your New York with the spotlight on you, it's all about you, you, you when you're losing and what can I could be my next post? Let me make this tackle. Yeah. This video is going to be a big flex on the gram, and that's what it's kind yeah. of turned into. And, you know, egos have taken over here in New York, um, so that's a great point you make. Uh, last one, first pick comes. Right now the Jets are the first pick, the only winless team. Trevor Lawrence is there. Do you take him, and do you trade Darnold?
2: Yeah, you know, listen. I'm, my biggest fear with Darnold is like everybody else's fear. He's gonna go to a team. and He's gonna be a Hall of Famer, right? Like that's like, he, he's gonna he's gonna go like let's just say talk, since we're in, a, in you know since I'm a Steeler talking about the Steelers, you know Ben Big if Big Ben wins the Super Bowl. He goes home. Here comes San Donald. He carries the torch, right? Like or well, he'll go he'll go to some other team and, and really be the, the, the X factor. And that sucks, man. That, that just sucks to know to know that that that's a possibility. Um, when I, I remember being here when Darnham got drafted and feeling for the first time like, you know, God may be a Jets fan or he may cares about us. You know, there's some form of hope. And so to see this guy or uh, even to hear uh, rumors or rhetoric that this guy may be gone and, and welcome Trevor Lawrence, I don't know. I mean, Trevor Lawrence looked amazing against Georgia Tech this week and he lit him up. But New York's a tough market, man. It's a tough market to play in. It's a tough market to win in. Brian, you've been on the beat forever, so you know. You know, some court... Some quarterbacks aren't able to come out and jump out the gate right away. Some quarterbacks need time. You know, Sam hasn't had legit weapons around him. He hasn't had an offensive line that's kept him up, right? Um, there's, there's been a lot of things stacked against him, and I think he knows that, but he's still been able to be a professional, keep his chin up and, and keep swinging. So to say all that, um, if Trevor Lawrence was to come, I'm, I'm fine with it. I really don't have anything to say about the guy personally. I think it just sucks for Sam because I really thought he would be the saving grace for the Jets, and right now it doesn't look like it. Any
0: progress, Willie, on Hofstra football coming back in the coming years? Oh no,
2: I don't know. I, you know more than I know. I mean, I, I would, I would love to have the program back. I've, I mean, guys like me, Stephen Bowen, Marcus Colson, uh, Devallis. Our alumni is, is so rich. Wayne Cabrett Brett, on and on and on. You know, to see you know, even Raheem Morris is a Hofstra is guy. Dan, Dan Quinn is a Hofstra guy. So there's so many – Hofstra has always been kind of trickled throughout the NFL. Now that we're all kind of like mid to late 30s, uh, to know that we don't have a, a program to go back to sucks because I think a lot of us are doing we, – we really have st- solid careers, but we're really doing really good things uh, post-careers. You know, And with Marcus and me and Bowen and my buddy Devalis, who's a Hofstra guy who went to Detroit, and now he's in Hollywood. And so there's so many guys who are doing really, really well. You know, we would be – just off the field, all of us would be great vessels for young guys who who are in, are playing for Hofstra, you know, to kind of continue that alumni to play relationship. So for us to have nothing for us to tack, you know, kind of plug back into, like you know, some of our peers. You know, I have guys who you know they go back to Ohio State, Michigan, alumni weekends, and all that stuff, and. They enjoy it, and it means a lot for their kids to kind of look back and see some of their accomplishments. Uh, For us to not have that sucks, and I think it bothers a lot of us, but we don't know. We don't know when – I don't personally know when when it will ever happen or if it uh, ever happen again. So, yeah, no pride as of now.
0: Yeah, no pride, no flying Dutchman. It's, it's a weird world because Hempstead uh, Hempstead Turnpike's like a desolate island. The uh, the football yeah. team left. The Jets training camp is no longer there. Nachos is gone. Dizzy's is gone. McKeeps is gone. Yeah. Bar Social yeah. is gone. Bogart's, when you were there, that was Wayne Corbett's place, which turned into Bar Social, is gone. I mean, what is there to do there? You get Chinese food and go to Napolini for pizza. That's all they got. So Either that or go to Borelli's
2: up the road and watch the Islanders.
0: Yeah, that's it. I mean, get a slice of pizza and a chicken parm hero. That's all you got in Hempstead. Or, or go to the uh, Coliseum there and watch, a, you know, the G League Nets team. That's all there is to do. Uh, so it's – it's I miss the old days of Hempstead, man. Good, so many good memories there. Yeah, I mean, hopefully
2: one day he'll wake back up right now. But I think, you know, my biggest great with Hofstra, even when I was playing, rest in peace, Joe Gardy. You know, I, I told Coach, I was like, listen, man, we if we can – I us to move our games to Fridays because it's the a commuter school, right? A lot of kids would hang out around the weekend, and, and to your point, they would, like, you know, do their little pregame, light up the uh, Hempstead term and be home by Saturday. I always suggested that we play on Fridays. At least the kids could pregame at our games, have a little student, uh, have a student vibe where, you know, people are going crazy, and then they can walk around the corner and go to the bars on Saturday. You know, everybody can recover. So, But that never really happened, and, you know, this is why we're here, uh, why we're where we're at. You
0: said light up Hempstead Turnpike. I thought you were saying light up the blunt. I was like, that That was done many times as well. Um, yeah, <laughs> did, did you know? last one for you because I just discovered this that not only are you the second most famous Willie Cologne, you're the second most famous Willie Cologne in the Bronx. There's a salsa musician and social activist, Willie Cologne. Do you know him?
2: I'm very aware of who he is. Yep, mm-hmm. <laughs> no relation, right. No relation.
0: Okay, just just confirming. I, this is bizarre. You look you look up Willie Colon, and and he's the first guy that comes up on uh, Wikipedia. So we might have to yep. like, get you higher up on the search engine there. Um, hey. Willie Colon, Follow him on Twitter at will sixty six and Instagram at willie sixty six and listen to Barstool Breakfast every morning on SiriusXM XM Radio Monday through Friday. Willie, appreciate you coming on with us. Uh, we'll talk to you soon, man.
2: All right. Best of luck to you guys. Thank you.
0: That says bye-bye-bye to episode 43, the John Dockery edition of Gangs All Here, our Jets podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to Alex Camerata for helping me out and producing the show. As you finish the show up today, do us a favor and write in a positive review and give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. For Brian Costello, I'm Jake Brown. We'll be back on Thursday previewing the Jets matchup with the Buffalo
2: Bills. Talk to you fine folks then. Stay safe.